It's going to sound weird. Um, have you been kneeling on the carpet? Your knees look fucked yeah, up. Yeah, I, I was just looking at it. It looks really <laughs> funny. Because <laughs> it's like a um, a very thick pile knitted, yeah. like woven carpet. Yeah, and I can see the look pattern. hilarious. <laughs> it's absolutely done a number on me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Such a good segue. Yeah. Anyway, that horror aside... What's going on with your knees, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of horrors, um, you had. I love that because you haven't even been here. You don't even know what this carpet's like. But yes, I can imagine based on what I'm seeing. <laughs> All you need now is a color palette, basically. Folks, welcome to another episode of Hey Brew. This is the podcast about beer and storytelling. Each week, one of us brings a beer, or maybe more than one, and tells a story that's often slightly related to the one or, or fewer of the beers. Uh, my name is Elliot. My name is Mike. Mike? Yeah? It's been a big day for beers, hasn't it? Boy, hasn't it? Uh, both for beers and our ability to get on them. Uh, yeah, it has. <laughs> wow. What a, what, a, what a day. What a season. What a season. Um, uh, indeed. Yeah, so um, we're recording this on the day of the well, 26th of October, so... Uh, the day that Dan Andrews, for for those of us in Victoria, has announced that as of uh, basically Wednesday, realistically, it's 11.59pm on Tuesday, but when as of Wednesday, uh, some of the restrictions that we're under here in Melbourne are easing, uh, which include being able to go to things like pubs and uh, restaurants again, uh, small gatherings are allowed, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously still a lot of restrictions in place for good reason um but we are both here i think i think i can speak on behalf of us and say we are stoked as shit to be able to get on the beers again mm-hmm. oh yeah i think i think that's probably a uh, a very good um a very good pricey of the situation so i appreciate that i think mm-hmm. like you say for good reasons not everything is as open as it could possibly be mm-hmm. but we're in this position where we're like we know the reasons and we do follow the advice and we think it's all good ideas, but we were tired of it. So we're yeah. happy to be out of it. Yeah, I, I, I am happy to be tired of it, but w- like I'm still willing to do it. That's the thing. It's not like I, yeah. I, I don't think I know better. I'm just I just nah. want to I just want to hang out with my friends again. If I have to wait a bit longer for people to not die, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. it's uh, it's time, folks. It's time for Haybrew to get on the beers. Yes, once and, again. you know, the rest of you, I guess, as well, but mostly me and Mike, <laughs> yeah. the ones I care about. Yeah, as, as for us recording in person again, I'm still not sure when that's going to happen. I think tomorrow they're announcing some things about in-home yeah. visits. Yeah. Uh, so as of right now, we don't know for sure. Uh, we've, we've made this work, but boy, would it be easier to record in person. <laughs> so this might be a bad time to announce that work might be taking me to Sydney permanently. Really? No. Good. <laughs> God, no, I wouldn't go to Sydney. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> right after fucking Hobbsy moved down from Sydney to, and you guys got a place there. I know. Rude <laughs> or what. Amazing. Trading places. Um, cracking stuff. Yeah. Well, um, have you had any interesting beer stuff going on in your life recently? I had a lot of interesting beers on Saturday. I'll say that. Um, so oh, the grand final day. Yeah, I don't know if I told you, so Carwin Sellers had their Carwin Collaborational Festival that they were planning earlier in the year. I was going to get it, and then I didn't. Yeah, so that- Quite a story. Their, their sort of virtual uh, 
version of that was on Saturday. Uh, perfect day for it. It started at midday, went for about three and a half hours, and then the grand, the AFL grand final was 7.30 that night. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd got uh, Kate and myself a ticket each, uh, so that meant they sent me two boxes for the festival. So it's, a, it's 11 beers and a tasting glass. Uh, we, we just used the one box uh, because they were like... I would say there's like a 50-50 split between standard-sized cans and tall boys, and they got stronger in percentage as the fest, as the as the list went on. Yeah, good um, lord. But yeah, the entire vision for that festival was to take a bunch of local breweries and pair them all up with international breweries and have them brew a beer together. Um, and so some really interesting stuff came out of that. Um, you, as a fan of One Drop, will probably like mm. to know about what they did with cascade uh they did a dragon fruit oh. kiwi and peach villain advice and it was probably my highlight out of the entire pack uh came out that with sounds pretty mental nice sort of bright pink color um Lovely. uh so yeah i've actually got the the booklet here from the festival um mm. so i was gonna see if there are any other ones worth worth calling out um yeah there was one from mr banks uh from from here in Victoria, uh, did one with Interboro Spirits out of New York, uh, called "Making Me Thirsty," which was a imperial pastry stout. Uh, they're going for the pretzel angle. I'm sure you can guess. Oh yeah, as a, as a Seinfeld fan, right? Um, nope, never seen it. But yeah, so no, okay. But anyway, that that's what they're going for. Um, cacao nibs, coffee, vanilla, bit of pretzel, bit of saltiness. Uh, that was the last one of the day at ten point two percent. So yeah, it was it was it was a good old day. Um, just kind of working through those. They had a bunch of like, there's a mixture of pre-recorded interviews with the brewers, uh, and there were a couple of couple of them that they did live, as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was a good it was a good little good little session. They uh, I, I would say they made the most of it. I I think actually if I, I was thinking about it uh, at the weekend as well, if if it were like an actual physical festival you'd probably be served much smaller amounts of each of the beers but this was yeah. here's an entire can of each of them um so they had to, they had they had to organize obviously like canning and everything and there were you know months of delays and it, it's a whole thing so i think they've done pretty well um to yeah, make fair on play because they had i think i think they'd planned to like close down that street um sort oh, of at the side right, of it. right next to them there yeah and do like, yeah. Do like a whole festival there uh so do you know i think you told me about to that, that yeah. again yeah, they've spoken about wanting to do it next year, so hopefully uh, we can see that as a physical event because I think it'll be pretty neat. Yeah, man, that sounds fucking rad. Yeah. I don't know why I sense yeah, myself that. That sounds fucking rad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Mate. Beer festivals come back. Yeah, in some sense. Um, Sorry. I got whispered. <laughs> just maybe we'll get... Zoning out there? In- yeah, maybe we'll get the vaccine in time for Brewer's Feast. Well, one can only hope. That, that being said, um, I also think post-lockdown, we've got Christmas coming. So that's obviously not going to yeah. happen. But after that, maybe some time off the beers might be good. Maybe. I don't know, I don't know about you. It's but been I've, a boozy a year. Yeah. Um, I'm personally hanging out for uh, the haircut I have booked on Friday because it's been literally months. Uh, I don't know if oh, yeah, right. you will have noticed, but my hair has got so long that I now need to part it the other way because it's so like it's got so much weight to it that it won't go the way I mm-hmm. usually have it. So it's it's getting there. 
mine's just really large today. Uh, I took a photo of it earlier because it's it's huge. Yeah, you've, you've almost got like, that pompadour set up. Yeah, which I normally go for with quite a lot of wax, but um, mm. this is just happening naturally now with its own height. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel you. Um, have I had any interesting beer news? I've just been drinking great beers, I'll be honest with you. I've not really done anything different or what mm. word special, but I've been really just enjoying some great beers recently. Um yeah, shit, man. <laughs> I'm struggling slightly to think, but obviously we've got a big, a big order that we both ordered uh, quite a lot from the same company, which would be unsurprising. Um, which we will cover off, uh, I guess, in a second. Um, yeah, of where that's come from. But uh, yeah, what else have I been drinking? Um, had another one of the um, Beirut's. Absolutely delicious. Love that. Oh, yeah. I think it's really yep. tasty. Um, from Hawkers. Um, yeah, I, I, I. I've, I finally went down to Footscray. I tell you what, I'm just currently obsessed, still obsessed with um, brewed seltzer. Really? I still haven't actually yeah, tried like, any. It's great, man. Get some rays in you from Footscray. It's That's really the one good. at uh, Hop Nation? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely banging. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, that's that's my beer news. It's lack thereof, but most enjoyable. Hey, man. It but, um, sounds like I'm picking up the, the end of the, the bargain there in terms of getting some weird stuff in there. Yeah, apologies. Um, but well, maybe we can uh, level it out a bit by talking about today's beer. Let's do that. All right. So today we have not one but two beers to ruin our lives with. And by that, I mean vastly improve, yes. obviously. Um, first of all, we have from the ever-present on this show, Garage Project, um, we have um, a west coast ipa called jekyll um and i've just seen that it is part of um a zero carbon initiative that they're currently undergoing with a company called ecos which does brewery management software because that's my life i'm really interested in that stuff yeah i think i think garage project are just trying to be carbon neutral generally right um yeah that's from my understanding that's that's the situation hmm. um yeah um this is cool i would like to say i like the artwork it's very comic book um artwork of a, a man looking slightly perturbed yeah like someone's it, cutting like off a, in traffic and he's pretty mad about it to me to me the first thing i thought of was sweaty businessman yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> he's des- desperate to get a place on the train yeah yeah hoping that um, his sweat will slip him in there <laughs> <laughs> right um it's gonna let that hang like the bad fart that it was mm-hmm. um i i think we should do the thing uh opening the can yeah and then drink yeah it yeah okay oh it's a gassy one by the looks of it quite yes. heavily uh carbonated yeah i know um uh, just that just that smells like a just a really nice hop bomb of a West Coast. You know, I've missed West Coast IPAs. Yeah. Because everything's gone to New England and hazy now. You can't get just like a big dank West Coast anymore. Mm. Or you can, but it's harder. I had one at the weekend. There we go. Uh, a bit late. But I had Holgate Brewing's Hoppinator, which is a, a bad oh. name. But it was a great beer. Like really good. Me and mm. Hobbsy split it and it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like West Coast IPA for me is something that I think I spoke about this before. Like I definitely go through phases with them. 
Um, mm-hmm. of, often in warmer weather, I will go for them a bit more. It's just, it's, I guess, for, for those playing at home, uh, West Coast IPAs typically have, have a very present hop flavor, often a lot of like mm-hmm. that kind of grassy and piney sort of aroma and and taste. Yeah. Um, and there's something about like the sharpness that that often comes with that I really like, but not always. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do See, want that but- smoother kind of hazy or New England IPA kind of, you know, that, that sort of fruity sweetness a little bit sometimes as well. But this is this is actually kind of like a little bit, it's a little bit soft as a West Coast IPA in, in terms of that, that kind of flavor coming through. Yeah, it's a little mellower. West Coast IPAs are probably my favorite kind of IPAs from Papillon. Mm. Even more than traditional English pale ales, uh, India pale ales, sorry. Mm. Um, Sorry, homeland. (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't have so much COVID. Um, But the West Coast IPA, yeah, definitely that more of that resinous, like um, that piney flavor, Mm. grassiness element to it. uh, Definitely. This one is a little bit mellower. It's got a little sweetness to it. Yeah. uh, the the head's gone completely. Immediately yeah, mine's, mine. mine's disappeared. Yeah, um, which is always a bit of a shame, just because it's aesthetically quite pleasing, but also apparently it's good for aroma, um, yeah. which means it's good for flavor too. But yeah. hey, um, it's tasty. Yeah, um, it is. and it's hiding that nine percent pretty well. Yeah, there's there's almost that you can almost taste it, but it it's also kind of masked by. You know the the flavors of it being a West Coast IPA and having some of that hop characteristic in there. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's uh, a West Coast is tends to be quite quite a hop bomb and also quite strong. So this co- this one is a fairly typical example in terms of like the stuff that's in it and the and the alcohol content. But I think um, in flavor, yeah, slightly less dank than uh, yeah. a lot of West Coast IPAs, which is a word we haven't used for a little while, but um, gets thrown yeah, out a I, lot with these I concerns. I love describing some of those beers as dank because like, if you've had a couple of them as reference points, you definitely know what I mean when I say that. But as an, oh, yeah, as, as someone who like maybe hasn't had one before, it would be pretty confusing unless mm, it was absolutely. one of those... Th- oh, who was it that made that beer where they incorporated uh, weed into it? I think Garage Project might have done that at one point. Yeah, there's been a there's the I thought it was a garage project thing. Um, at um, the I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they have because um, I remember seeing yeah. photos of um, you know the head brewer just standing in a giant um, marijuana field essentially. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, go on, you carry on. I'll have a quick look. Mm. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, I I often, you know, when we talk about beers on the show, I often try to think of. You know, when we come when we cover different styles, trying to think of those uh, gateways and entry points into the style, because often you and I will try stuff on here that's maybe a little bit more uh, complex, I guess, for for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. in terms of we've had a few so that we know what to expect, and so yeah, you almost have that vocabulary to to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, so, so, but I was going to say with, yeah, with this I one, as far as, as far as West Coast IPAs go, like this has a lot of those elements, but they're not, they're not so strong that they would be a deterrent to someone new to the style. No, it, it, they're, um, it's got great balance. Mm. And I think that's the third, third beer in a row where we've said that. Yeah. Like when I think about things like, um, 
some of the other things we've had on this show, like for example, the rhino, which I know is a special case. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't think the balance was very good there. I didn't, I didn't enjoy that so much. Yeah. But there's definitely been beers that I've liked, but I think like if you're not used to them, that element of it is going to be just mind blowing. Well, it's, it's a lot of new information at once and your brain is trying to like, you know, rationalize all those, all those new flavors together. And if you don't have kind yeah. of almost the experience to kind of go, okay, I know what the style is like based on these other beers, then it can be pretty off putting. And I think that was honestly yeah, my story when pass. I first tried beers when I was younger, you know, my dad gave me a can of, uh, what was he drinking at the time? Canterbury draft, which is basically like a New Zealand equivalent of something like VB, right? Victoria. Yeah, okay. Um, and I was like, this was my first beer ever. This is garbage. Fuck beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it. so it's it's that kind of thing of it's a whole bunch of new information all at once can be a bit overwhelming and off-putting, especially if somebody's not well, sold on the idea of beer or that style in particular. It's the epitome of having an acquire it being an acquired taste, isn't mm. it? I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I think with this one if you're looking for a really solid entry mm. to West Coasts, this is you. You could probably do ninety nine percent worse than this. Yeah. Um. It's also quite a nice color. Yeah, it's, it's that really nice. It's just amber. Looks like it should have a mosquito trapped in it. Yeah, it's like if you if you picture a pint glass full of beer, this is chances are what you're picturing. Yeah, that's it. Also. <laughs> Um, I just realized the Jurassic Park reference came in again. We, drew, we referenced Jurassic Park a fair bit on this show. For, for someone yeah. that's only just seen it recently and someone who hasn't seen it for years. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, that takes us in kind of neatly-ish mm. to the um, to the topic this week. And um, just preface that, I will say that uh, for the sharp-eared listeners, the beer... Uh, uh, what was it called? Jekyll. Mm-hmm. Um, you may be aware that there's going to be a counterpart beer coming up later in the show. So, Spoilers. Um, I know, I know. Um, so I'm going to talk to us a little bit about Apophenia and the Satanic Panic in an wow. episode I've titled Looking for Satan. I am excited um, to find out where this is going. I know thanks. what one of those things is that you mentioned um ah i'm i'm not i'm not gonna find out which one i want to just see how it unfolds yeah um so i want to acknowledge my source first of all which was a one of my sources which was a great article on vox called the history of satanic panic in the u.s um so and i'm going to use a a little quote from and it's probably a slightly paraphrased from another podcast um, called the last podcast on the left. Um, Henry Zabrowski says, what you seek is what you find and what you find becomes the basis for your reality, which is an interesting sort of concept, which is that if you look for something, you're always going to find it. Yeah. Okay. Like that kind of thing when, you know, people say, oh, I, um, I think my partner's cheating on me. I'm going to go through their, their text messages or whatever. Right. You're always going to find something in there yeah. that, that confirms what you think. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's the recency bias. It's like if you buy a new car or you, uh, you know, see see a certain thing once and it's novel, then you'll just you'll think that you're seeing it a lot more right after that. Yeah, absolutely right. It's like owners of certain types of dogs see that dog everywhere. Like yeah, see other people with that dog. Well, it's like after yeah. after I bought my car and I know that the car I bought 
there's a pretty limited number of them in all of Australia, but it felt like within the first month I was seeing it everywhere. There was a guy that used to live on the corner for me that owns the same car as you. And so I saw yeah. him loads and I was always like, Mike, not Mike. Yeah, obviously. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 100%. So that is a little bit of, um, I guess, a taste of what apophenia is. Hmm. And I'm going to quote a third podcast now. Um, fictional horror podcast called The um, the Black Tapes, which I got really obsessed with for a while. Okay. Character on that is called, he's an uh, investigator of the paranormal in the style of James Randi. In the, uh, he's a, uh, uh, the late, sorry, James Randi, mm-hmm. who died last week, um, who is a, yeah, a debunker. And he said, in, uh, apophenia is the mind's need to make sense of random things, to create patterns, no matter how spurious the connection. It's what makes people believe they hear demonic voices when playing certain rock albums backwards. It's what makes sports fans convinced that something he or she does can affect the outcome of the game. Yeah, right. And it's apophenia. So an example um, that's quite a common one. And <laughs> it's strange that the way they phrase this, but the, the actual words they use were seeing the face of Jesus in a piece of toast. Yeah, um, yeah. It, se- it seems like yeah. every couple of years there's some story about someone seeing the face of God in some inanimate object. Yeah, it's weird. Toast comes up an awful lot, though. It's a really funny one to me. Yeah, I guess it, it, it's always going to create random patterns on the surface of the bread, just depending on yeah. many, many How factors. How toaster is. Yeah. <laughs> you ever see those toasters that you can toast the face of Jesus into your bread with? Yeah, you can toast all sorts of Absolute shit. Absolute gold. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's a thing called um, uh, pareidolia. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. And uh, usually occurs as a result of um, fusiform face area, which is part of the brain responsible for seeing faces and mm-hmm. um, making out features. Uh, basically, they mistakenly interpret objects or shapes or configurations to be face-like and then make the perception that it's a face. Yeah. And then you prime that with things like people who are devoutly religious, and it's not just a face they're seeing, it's Jesus' face. Yeah, especially with something like that, where one one or a few depictions of Jesus and a particular face are going to be used a lot and very repetitively. You're going to get mm-hmm. that reinforced idea of what Jesus should look like, and then you combine that with that, and yeah, you're probably just going to think that you're seeing that face somewhere. Yeah, I'm looking forward to when people start seeing that badly restored fresco Jesus's face. <laughs> or the um, uh, the well, one a bit like a monkey. No, the one that Mr. Bean fixes in that movie. Whistler's mother. Yes, that's the one. I couldn't remember the name of the painting, but the, yeah, the giant nose. <laughs> the only reason I know the painter Whistler is because of the Bean movie. Dude, me too. <laughs> so crap. I couldn't even tell you his first name. I just know Whistler. Yes, same. Um, other examples of um, uh, apophenia are things like gambler's fallacy, um, mm. identifying false patterns in data or statistics, yep. known as a type 1 error false positive in uh, statistical analysis, taking you back to your days and doing psych. Dude, and I was thinking statistics. about today. And, yeah, mate, I made myself sick thinking about it today. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the, one of the best ways to put it is this. if I put some, If I say to somebody who believes in ghosts, I take them to a house somewhere and tell them it's a haunted house. They're going to see a ghost. Yeah. No matter whether that house is even considered to be that that house could have been built specifically for this purpose. Yeah, that, they that would gets, say, yeah, someone died there. That gets especially dubious, which when you combine that with things like the the way that a lot of 
people that purport themselves to be mediums and psychics use language. They rely on ambiguity so that the recipient of the message interprets it as meaningful them meaningful to themselves. Um, yes, like cold readings. Yeah, something which is uh, known as the Barnum effect and is basically how horoscopes work. Eight points for that man, if you can tell me why it's named the Barnum effect. Because uh, he was a famous showman who ran a circus, right? Damn right. Yes. Phineas Taylor Barnum. That's the and one. I only know about because my brother played him in a production. Huh. Anyway, home movie time is over. So we're going to talk about how apophenia and fervor in the media resulted in what is known as the satanic panic. Mm. So this was an ongoing moral panic throughout the sort of 80s and 90s in the USA, or rather largely around the USA. Um, the essential long and short of it is it's claimed that a high number, uh, excuse me, a number of high profile crimes and uh, cases were motivated by the worship of Satan. Um, as a self-identified Satanist, I find a lot of it very funny, if quite scary, um, that the following events sort of took place. Mm. Um, especially considering the like two different strands of Satanism, um, neither of which are particularly <laughs> like terrifying or violent or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I remember listening to... Uh I forget which podcast it was, but they basically like did an interview with like somebody who was a Satanist and followed, uh, I, f I forget the, the name of the book specifically, but the way that they were describing what their belief system was, was like, oh, you're just kind of a rational person that believes in looking out for other people. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the, the satanic temple, right? That is the, you know what? We can go into this off, off air. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. The, the, the two main churches are the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple. Yeah. And then offshoots of the TST, yeah. um, which I would consider myself to be part of. Uh -huh. um, so um, basically, this was characterized by the idea of something called Satanic Ritual Abuse. Um, and then Cards on the Table wrote this, a lot of this research after the grand final on Saturday. So it was quite hammered. And I've got bullet point indented bullet point that just say which some people pay good money for and then a further indented bullet point which just says sup <laughs> so let's <laughs> gonna say what's the third level there <laughs> which obviously really tickled me at the time um <laughs> but yeah so it's been it's <laughs> so the satanic panic and sra um so i'm gonna use sra to mean satanic ritual abuse from now on so sra just for rather than saying it because it's quite lengthy. Yeah. So Satanic Panic and SRA has been compared to the witch hunts of Salem and historical Europe, as well as things like McCarthyism in the 70s. Um, and honestly, not too big a surprise that two of the three of do, those took place in Do you the have US. a quick explanation of McCarthyism? Because I feel like it's a term I've heard a lot, but I don't understand very well at all. So my understanding of it is obviously fairly limited. But it was um, Senator McCarthy was the leader of a Senate select committee, um, I believe. It was a Senate select committee that, whose job was tasked to root out um, basically, uh, I think it was called the House Committee on Un-American Activities. Right. And basically, it was I've heard of that. finding yeah. people that were insidious communist uh, yeah. traitors in America. Right. Okay. And yeah. basically, everybody who got accused um, went down and had their careers ruined for all of a bar like a handful of people and there were hundreds of people accused the entertainment industry was a big part of it yeah and um, most of it was baseless and 
basically it's one of those things where a lot of people that were like i don't like this person i'm going to accuse them of communism that's yeah they, they were hiding their prejudices behind accusing people of being communists essentially mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. absolutely okay um so yeah sorry um <clears throat> So the guy who um, coined the phrase moral panic um, called um, called the satanic panic uh, one of the purest cases of moral panic. So I think that's a, a, you know, the guy that invented the phrase sociologically said that this is probably one of the the most epitomized cases of moral panic to ever exist. Mm. Moral panics for the large part are largely pointless, freaking out over nothing sort of yep. thing. Um so I think one of the big, I guess, um, tell-all kind of um, examples of uh, satanic panic bollocks is a book called Michelle Remembers. Um, now, Michelle Remembers was a book by a psychiatrist called uh, Lawrence uh, Pazda, or Pazda, and one of his patients, a woman called Michelle Smith, uh, he, who he later married, which is massively unethical for the record. Ah, yeah, um, not good. So um, the the long and short of it is that um, Pazza and Smith had a, a session where Smith um, reportedly started screaming uh, and didn't stop for 25 minutes. Um, and eventually she started speaking uh, like a five-year-old with like a ch- child's voice. And according to uh, Pazda, over the next 14 months, he spent uh, over 600 hours using hypnosis to help Smith recover um repressed quote-unquote repressed memories of satanic ritual abuse that occurred when she was five years old in 1954 and 55 at the hands of her mother uh, as, as well as others and um all of which uh smith then claimed were part of a quote satanic cult in victoria canada so these claims and events were literally never able to be proven like not once yeah, uh, scrap also, of evidence. like, the way that those numbers line up sound real fucked. Like, screaming for 25 minutes only to then start talking like a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, you, I what, that. What, what did you say? 600 hours within a year? With, of hypnosis over 14 months, yeah. Right. So... It's quite a lot. There's, like, uh, what, nearly 9,000 hours in a year. Nine thousand twenty five hundred six hundred. Not was it nine hundred twenty five thousand six hundred minutes? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's the song from Rent. Um, it would be forty two hours a month of hypnosis. Okay, More I like forty three. I, I work thirty seven and a half hours a week. All right, yeah, that that's. It's an hour and a half of hypnosis a day. Basically, yeah, that, that's up there. It's a lot of hypnosis. Yeah, well, I was, I was just trying to like you. rationalize those numbers in terms of something I can you know grapple with. Let me save you some time. Don't don't right. rationalize any of this. All right. Um, but um, most investigators concluded that the events uh, were at best unlikely and at la- and at most largely impossible. <laughs> um, but this was a good example of the um, that thing. By the way, that book went on to be a massive bestseller, and everyone just assumed it was true. Great that this woman was richly abused as a five year old or whatever it was. Um, uh, in northern Canada by uh, i don't know where victoria is in canada where eastern uh, canada british columbia i think yeah 
It's all North Canada, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, by a (laughs) satanic cult that just happened to exist in Canada. Right. Okay. Right. And her mum was part of it. Um, But essentially for a while, what happened was that the English-speaking world appended the concept of satanic practices to a ton of instances of uh, assaults, murders, abuse, child abuse, sexual attacks, um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, And not to make light of those things by saying blah, 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 because all of those things are quite serious. Mm -hmm. But basically... What happened was um, a lot of a lot of crimes that did happen, people started to say, oh, well, this is an example of satanic ritual abuse. A lot of crimes that didn't happen, people started to get accused of SRA. Um, right. And some people who were accused of existing crimes started using SRA in their defense and saying that, well, I had to, I was part of a satanic cult and I'll give sure. up the other members if you give me leniency or if I didn't do it, I would have been, you know, I was coerced, so I reduced my sentence, etc. Yeah. Um, basically, just like McCarthyism and the Salem, and the Salem Witch Trials, anybody who was accused was basically seen in the media as automatically guilty. Yeah. This. Yeah. It also um, feels like it might have an element of people not wanting to admit that people can just be shit. That well, I, I'm going to go a, a little bit into it um, yeah. a bit, but um, the other side of it was that anybody who was skeptical of it um was in on the conspiracy now of course yeah if you raised any skepticism <laughs> in the media in your professional life as a psycho- psychologist or as a law enforcement professional mm. they'd be like well you're obviously part of a satanic cult yeah mm. and yeah the obviously like i don't like a lot of things like cults and conspiracy theories but the psychology that and the, the, the logic involved in how people form these belief systems is super fascinating. Oh, yeah. And and the it's and all of the mechanisms they find to, like, redirect blame and all of this sort of stuff, it is both fascinating and terrifying. So I think, I think you'll probably like some of the upcoming then. Very just good. Just a little bit about how they've done this. Um, so... How does this tie into apophenia? Well, the context of the era is a really important thing to think about. So I'm going to run through a couple of major events and some dates. Some of the things you may have know of, but not know the full details of. So I'm happy to explain a little bit about them if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the Manson family killings, 1969. Anton LaVey's book, the uh, which tied into the founding of the Church of Satan, 1969, published. The Book of the Exorcist, published 1971. The film of The Exorcist, 1973. The rise of um, some really, really major and very publicly um, sort of, I guess, like high-profile cults, such as Jonestown and the Manson family uh, in, in, in the 70s and 60s. Um, the golden age of the, quote-unquote, golden age of the American serial killer with uh, John Wayne Gacy, Ted Bundy, uh, David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the Son of Sam Killer, the Hillside Stranglers, the Zodiac Killer, the Alphabet Killer, Richard Trenton Chase, um, all around this era. Yeah, basically, if you've, watched, if you've watched net, the Netflix show Mindhunter, you're probably familiar with these to an extent. Yeah, absolutely. It was a little bit before Richard Ramirez, who is mm. a serial killer that claimed he was working for Satan, which is quite interesting, really. Right. Um, it is also in line with the rise of Christian fundamentalism, um, sort of towards the end of the 60s and early 70s. So are you familiar with um, Chick Tracts? I don't think so. Um, so these are very, very small uh, comics um, that were drawn 
basically talking about how like things you may enjoy that are satanic, like Dungeons and Dragons and rock music and right. Muslims and stuff like that. Does this go into like all the stuff with Tipper Gore and their war against like rock music and calling all of that satanic? A little bit. Yeah. I don't actually talk about Tipper Gore herself, but a little bit. But like that, because um, like she was a representative for, I forget the name of the organization, but they basically are yeah, the reason that parental they, advisory stickers exist on albums. My understanding was that it was a little bit later than this because this was the 70s and yeah. the late 60s. Yeah. But her thing happened and it affected, it was around during the SRA, uh, Satanic Panic. Yeah, because it would, they instead. made a lot of references to satan and the devil and worship yes. and all that sort of stuff yeah well like people thought kiss might stand for knights in satan's service and stuff like that yeah yeah <laughs> exactly some of the one of the campest showiest like yeah most theater group bands i've ever seen yeah in my life it's it's like a time it's like if hair metal was like hey let's also do musical theater yeah yeah very much so yeah <laughs> it's, it's 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 glee for, for goths um, yes it really is Hmm, I'm really pleased with that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, this was a massive rise in Christian fundamentalism. This is when it this is when it started in the US, right. or rather, this is when it started to get a foothold and become a a force majeure, and you know, actually start to yeah. be a moneymaker amongst other things. Um, check out Jack Chick if you're ever interested. Um, it's very interesting and okay. it's very funny. If it wasn't so absolutely terrifying at the uh, same time, but what yeah. he did, but yeah, he was a, basically a marketer for Christianism. Christianism, there's a word, Elliot. Yeah. Um, it was also not long after the release of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it was during the associated craze of like wider fantasy stuff like that, and around the same time that Lord of the Rings became seen as a counterculture symbol, which I still find very funny. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so contextually, at the time, Fire and Brimstone was back, baby. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but it was the post-war era slightly after the 50s of the boomer generation, and people were starting to be scared of other people again. Yep. The post-war generation was everybody lovey-dovey. I mean, my my stepdad talks about it. Like, people didn't lock their doors because you could just trust people. Yeah. I, um, I mean, granted, it's New Zealand, and so we're, you know, years behind the rest of the world on a lot of things, but... I remember growing up like that, where it was in a small enough town that my parents were like, yeah, cool, we just don't lock the doors if people are home. Like, it's 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 fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, just, it was just, quote-unquote, a different time. Mm. Um, but all of these things that started coming into play, and, and suddenly people were scared of other people again. There was, there was fear of people outside the home, and fear of people, and fear of Satan inside the home. Yeah, I mean, the... the <laughs> If there's anything we're learning recently, it's that the human race has a terrible, terrible memory. We we can't like yeah. as as a society cannot remember more than fifty to a hundred years of our own history. Fifty to hundred weeks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> being generous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from 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 here on out, um, basically, that the the, the the Christian right was starting to gain money, starting to gain a foothold and starting to tell everyone that Satan was everywhere and stuff like that. And there were people that were coming out and writing books and saying like, oh, I escaped from a satanic cult and stuff like that. And now I'm a, now I'm a evangelical Christian preacher and all that sort of stuff. And they even got found out to be talking bollocks and it was not true. Yeah. But their books were already bestsellers and stuff by this point. So it didn't matter. Yeah. It's I like when a newspaper prints a, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Like an apology. It was, they printed it the smallest print on the back page. Yeah. 
Well, no, in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I, read. I wonder too how this lines up with, um, you know, religions becoming essentially tax-free in the US. I wonder how the oh, timing mate, it's, works out. I've got bad news for you. That's not the US, man. I've looked into it. There's not a single country which taxes religions. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like, because we're talking a lot about things in the US, I wonder like when that became a thing. Oh, and, it's and, always been a thing. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, unfortunately. I, it's, I thought it might have been a more recent invention. No, nah, I mean, I don't think I don't think churches have paid taxes since about 1066 in the yeah, Western world. Well, all right, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> anyway, but basically from here on out, everything that ever happened, um, if they could find a tangential link to anything even slightly suspect, they'd be like, well, this is SRA. You're looking at SRA here. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, because the only, the only reason I bring up, like, the tax angle is it means that they have more resources to get these yeah, messages the out there, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, 100%. But, I mean, there was some really high-profile cases. Um, there's a, There was a significant um, bit of coverage on something called the West Memphis Three. Um, it was three young guys who were falsely convicted of the murder of three uh, other younger boys. Um, it was linked to Satanism. They all served a very long time in prison, mm -hmm. and they eventually were let out on something called an Alford plea, which is to say, we plead not guilty, but we um, we admit that the jury has significant evidence which could convict us, so it gives them a reduced sentence. But it was already like 20 how years is, into the sentence How is that point. a thing? Because the US judicial system is insane. That is saying, like, we believe we didn't do it, but we acknowledge that you have enough evidence to prove that we did. Yeah, and How I'd is, like to add that all the evidence is super circumstantial, and the reason they were allowed to enter that offer play is because all of the DNA evidence that came back said that they were in no way related. Yeah. Mate, the West Memphis Three, the whole thing is absolutely insane. That sounds, like, yeah. It's very interesting. I um, Look, it's but, the first I'm hearing of it, so I obviously need to educate myself before I say more, I but man, that sounds crazy. <laughs> I can recommend some great podcasts. I bet um, you can. But, um... Yeah, things like uh, the Columbine Massacre. Mm. They were like, oh, you know, they were big heavy metal fans. They liked, they were goths. They liked Yeah, Marilyn, video Marilyn games. Manson got dragged into that a whole bunch. I remember yes, that. Yes, he did. Um, felt kind of sorry for the guy, to be honest. I don't even like Marilyn Manson. Mm. Um, the Kern County Abuse Trials, um, which, quote, to right-wing Christian fundamentalists steeped in lore about devils and stewing with hostility towards public childcare, it was hard to not embrace... The, na the notion of Satan infiltrating daycare centers. So obviously, you know, for right-wing fundamentalists, um, this was the era that women started going back to work, realistically. This right. is the era that suddenly a two-household income was necessary. Mm -hmm. um, oh, a two-income household, excuse me, was necessary. So they were putting their children into, into private and public childcare, you know, which, of course, for a right-wing Christian fundamentalist is not the woman's job. They shouldn't be at work. They should be at home with children. Yeah, and, and um, now you've introduced someone that you don't know who's looking after your child. You can't trust them. Yeah. So, of course, um, those people must be Satanists that are trying to fuck children. Of course. I mean, there's only two options, right? They're either like us or they're literally the devil. I can talk a bit about length about that as well, but I'm not going to because I'll just be here forever. Um, so in the Kern County abuse trials, basically, um, the they brought in like experts that were like, I'm an expert in Satanism. It's like, okay, what you actually mean is you have a degree in theology from a university which doesn't really exist. 
or has been discredited. Right. And what and what you have is a massive grudge against people um, not in your cult, essentially, yep. in your right-wing fundamentalist Christian cult. Um, and what you're going to do is then coach the children into giving false testimonies about all these things or ask very, very leading questions so that children say things like, oh, no, um, yeah, that or, or, or false, falsely implant memories onto these children so that they'll say, no, this person was abusing me and they, they covered me in animal blood and stuff like that. Right. Um, 26 people went to jail. Huh. 26. Uh, some of them served around 20 years before having their convictions finally overturned. Um, and yeah, basically most of the children in, and the, this was not the only case, there was loads of cases mm. like this. Mm. Uh, the children were just coached to give evidence in line with prosecution. And they're your, the little children, so yeah. um, they don't fucking know what they're talking about. One of the kids came home one day and said to their parents that someone at the childcare had peed and pooed on my head. Um, that person went to jail for SRA for like 30 years. Right. Yeah. Because obviously the kid was upset with something and they were like, oh, that's what they did. Yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Fuck, man. Um, uh, but yeah, there was literally shit all evidence. Shit right. all. Uh, and it resulted in the uh, convictions of hundreds of people. Damn. Um, for hundreds of years. Some of them was given like um consecutive like four life sentences and stuff like that for some of the stuff that they didn't really? do because because like the the idea of back-to-back life sentences is typically you hear about in the context of someone who's killed a lot of people yeah serial killers yeah or, or, or like you know spree killers and all this sort of stuff yeah it's mental okay so before i go into like the I don't want to use the word second section, but like the... The real fucked up shit. (laughs) The back part. Okay. Um, uh, The back nine of the satanic golf course. I I nearly used the phrase back nine. There you go. Back door. Um, Anyway. um, We've got a second beer to go with it. Yes, we do. Because we're talking about the concept is like, you know, duality and and reality versus um, the, I guess... The findings, which are quote unquote evil, mm-hmm. we have a second beer. Uh, do you want to introduce one? Uh, sure. So, also, also, I just wanted to say because because we're talking about getting on the beers, we couldn't do just one. Um, <laughs> but no, this this uh, the second beer also from Garage Project. Uh, clearly, in a theme, this one is called Hyde. So, yes, completing the duo Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, I've just actually noticed on the way back down with this beer. Uh, that it's on the on the side of the can here. It says one recipe, two beers. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier. Yeah. I was looking at it. I thought it was really interesting. So so they're they've used like the same ingredients, uh, but somehow they made the previous West Coast IPA that we had, and with this one, uh, it is telling me on the can that it is. Uh, where is it? It's in a hazy East Coast alter ego. Uh, so I'm very yeah, I'd very say, curious. Yeah. Huge hazy hop driven monster. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see how they've used the same ingredients in a different way to make it. I mean, I can I can think of a few different ways they've done it, but um, I'm intrigued to see what the result's like. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we just open it and we get into it. Oh, that's the sweet medicine. Mm. God, that is a much more opaque beer. 
Yeah, this is very much more the kind of beer that we've been seeing from Garage Project recently. Um, real hazy. Yeah, a lot, like. of, a lot of like because they've got their monthly fresh IPA series, which are typically along these yep. lines of a hazy looking ish IPA. And they kind of like check, twi- check out the Instagram to see some of the, ca- the can artwork. Yeah. And, they, and they, they, they sort of like tweak it month to month. Uh, it's not huge yeah. changes every month, but um, this this looks along those lines. I feel like I'm going to yeah give it, a, give it a wee taste and see how it compares. Let's do it up. Hmm. That is nice. It's um kind of as expected as an East Coast IPA, a little fruitier. Um, yeah, a little sweeter. I'm, uh, I'm I'm trying to now compare it to the to the Jekyll. I think I'm noticing a similar like that sweetness that we had in the Jekyll. It's the same kind of sweetness here. Obviously, they've used the same ingredients and all that, but yeah. um, it does have that that nice link between the two. Which for what for what is usually two very different styles of beer, uh, I'm quite impressed with the way that they've kind of set them up next a, to each it, other. Yeah, it's a smart. Um, I like experiment for a better word yeah. like project it's a, it's a smart you know it's an interesting idea mm. um i think this is really nice i i think i prefer the west coast just on the basis that i don't have many of those recently but um this is an absolutely banging little east coast ipa i think potentially would have been really cool is to have like saved like a glass of each and then tried them simultaneously across with each other yeah um um but no, this is um, this is very nice. Yeah, I yeah, I said a lot more fruity, a lot more aroma. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I agree. I agree with your point, but acknowledge that it is also because more of the novelty of a West Coast IPA lately. I, w- I wouldn't yeah. say necessarily that the Jekyll is better than the Hyde. It's just more, it stands out more because this kind of hazy or New England IPA is just everywhere at the moment. Yeah, I think that's it. I think yeah. Um, it's like quite recently I've been getting into lagers and pilsners because yeah. when was the last time you had one of those? Yeah, dude, I um my my uh, workplace they've been doing like obviously virtual social events and all sorts of things. They they asked me oh, to yeah. host an Oktoberfest event. Um so that nice. pre- that presented a challenge with everybody working from home, but I managed to find on Dan Murphy's uh things that people could buy single bottles of and get delivered to themselves. So it meant that we were getting like 500 mil bottles of like Vine Stefana, Vice beer and, and, and things like that. But, you know, get, getting some of those back into the rotation was actually like really refreshing and kind of, kind of fun. Um, so yeah. Yeah, man. Now I might get some of those. Yeah. I'm kind of tempted to go get some, some Oktoberfest style beers. Yeah. I know I'm like two months late at this point, but still. Yeah, whatever. They, they still make them around oh. the rest of the year. No, that's it. Germany is only open for business one month a year. So I'm surprised their economy is so strong. They're, they're like, it's like Christmas the, shops. Yeah, they're like the Santa Claus of, of beer. They just make make beer all year round, but you can only buy it around Oktoberfest time. Would you like to hear an absolutely mental headline that I read on the BBC? Absolutely. Just reminded me. Um, and then we'll get back into the subject, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um the US is rolling out vaccines for COVID to obviously like frontline healthcare workers first. And then one of the other professions which is in the first wave is um, going to be uh, mall Santas. Fuck! <laughs> now, I can kind of see the concept because they're saying that, look, it will help encourage young kids that they need to get the vaccine because Santa's got it. Uh, <laughs> also, don't forget he'll be in 
contact point for a lot of people. No. But also, it's no, just like... Big brain idea. Keep those greasy, um, greasy capitalism no, the, wheels the, rolling. The, the big brain idea is to put healthcare workers in the roles of mall Santas so that they can also <laughs> administer the vaccine. So Santa's got it, and Santa can give it to you right now. That's the good thing about healthcare workers is all the spare time they have on their hands. Mm. Especially in the US. Yeah. And they're also well paid. Yeah. Actually, a lot of them probably are taking second jobs as mall centers. Look. Like teachers. Yeah. America. Yeah. Can, can we go back to different kinds of depressing topics, please? Yeah. Do you want to talk about Satan some more? Yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. Fuck yeah. So. We've talked a little bit about apophenia and about um, and about how they wanted to apply Satan to everything. And I made me think about um, how did they come to that? So obviously the people were already primed for it. Like you say, it's the primacy effect. You know, people are in this position where they've been preemptively told that Satan is a force for evil and it's out there to get you and it's blah, 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 blah. And... You mentioned Tipper Gore and the and the and the and the the fight against heavy metal music for mm-hmm. intents and purposes. Um, are you familiar? And you probably will be because um, a you're a smart gentleman, and b you're also an audio nerd. Uh-huh. I you're also a bit of an audio nerd. Yep. Um, back masking. Yep. Yeah. All right. So. Um, popularized by the Beatles who used backwards instrumentation on the 1966 album Revolver. So a few different artists have actually used it intentionally around this time. Um, But the more interesting for us is for those people who swear to God that they have heard secret hidden messages in songs played backwards. Yeah. I was was just going to say very quickly, backmasking is when if you play it's, if you play a, a oh, record, yeah. if you play a record backwards, you hear something in there. Um, off, yeah. yeah. It, often this is done with vinyl records where you just hit the button to reverse the the rotation. Uh, it's, it's, it's I a started little, out on reel to reel tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's essentially something recorded forward and played backwards, yes. or recorded and then reversed I'm about to say recorded backwards because it doesn't sound right but yeah, yeah. The, the, the recording device was was would run backwards to record so that when it was played forwards it would be a different sound anyway yeah, yeah. Mm. okay um, so basically during the 1980s um, there was a bunch of guess what evangelical Christian groups oh didn't even need to add guess what because in my notes I put in brackets who else. Um, no, but it makes it sound like there's evangelical groups just being like, "Hey, guess what? Satan's out to get you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, and they used to hold anti-rock music crusades mm-hmm. because you know the first set of crusades were about taking back the quote-unquote holy land from the quote-unquote heathens, um, whereas this one was about. Um, only They're listening definitely. to nice guitar music. Uh, th- this is what makes me laugh so much about like when you get like Christian heavy metal. I'm just like you fucking losers. Um, but also like you know respectful of your beliefs, but also you fucking losers. <laughs> um, I'm not respectful of your beliefs. Go fuck yourself. Um, so yeah, a lot of these groups claim that uh, musicians were not only hiding subliminal messages in the songs played backwards, um, and I would like to add that subliminal messaging does not work, for the record. Even uh, at Niash. Unless you're in a... 
Exactly. Unless you're in a highly suggestible state, which usually means you've been drugged by something or primed massively through things like hypnosis, subliminal messaging isn't a thing. Yeah. So every time people see, like, on TV, like, in dramas, those adverts where it's like they hid an advert, it's not a thing. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do anything. It's not real. It doesn't work. I, I think also, like, the term subliminal messaging, subliminal advertising gets not not abused, but it gets used to it's generally. It's about quite willy-nilly. Yeah, because, yeah. like, there's certainly forms of that kind of thing that happen where, like, a product placement will happen in a way that isn't totally transparent, and that can, like, prime your brain to, like, yes. you know, towards that product more than others. But it's flashing up a frame of a product for a half second, split second or something so that you can't see it. It doesn't work. And and there are certain regulations around different forms of that that are prohibited, for one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, I, for one, am a big fan of superliminal messaging. (laughs) That's very good. Hey, you, join the Navy. (laughs) Even at Niage. Um, Fantastic that we managed to fit two Simpsons references in for the same point. Two, uh, yeah, two from us. the same episode, even. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, one of my favorite bits of that episode, by the way, is that, wait a minute, your name's not LT Smash, it's Lieutenant Smash. That's right, <laughs> Lieutenant LT Smash. Um, <laughs> but there's a there's like a street near me which is called like LT something Boulevard, and I, every time I see it, I have a little, little chuckle to myself, because I don't know if it's LT or Lieutenant. It's little. <laughs> It's definitely oh, little. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Did you not know? No. It's little whatever boulevard. That that <laughs> Fuck, this is the stone fruit thing all over again. It isn't really it? is. <laughs> so, so someone asked me earlier. So this is gonna sound like a tangent. Someone asked me earlier what my what my secret um hidden like talent is uh-huh. and i was like first of all if i had a talent it wouldn't be secret or hidden because i would fucking tell everyone because i'm an egotist yeah but um i said like i think i'm just got i've got just good approximate knowledge of most things like <laughs> i think i'm slightly across most things like i'm never like massively detailedly but i've got just a little bit of working knowledge of most things yeah and then i do things like this and i'm just like oh no my secret uh hidden power is that i'm a fucking idiot that somehow functions <laughs> Dude, like when when I was doing that Carwin beer festival at the weekend, like one of the one of the sessions with the brewers, they meant they used the phrase "stone fruit," and I immediately thought of you. I'm like, I wonder if Elliot Fuck will be confused off. by this. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, back to Satan. So subliminal messaging doesn't work. Um. But yeah, so they claimed that um, musicians were hiding subliminal messages in the music that when played backwards had secret um, secret messages. And that I guess the point was that played forwards, you didn't realize it was going into your brain. That, that, that is the theory. Yeah. I saw you look off into the distance then, like with a, with a sort of philosophical head shake, like from fuckhead. Yeah, that is the theory. It's bullshit. It absolutely is. Um, but the most famous of these, uh, can you, do you know of any of the songs that they thought were back, bas- I know, back masking Satan? I know Led Zeppelin got a whole bunch of accusations about it. Bang on, Stairway to Heaven. Um, so allegedly, 
uh, Stairway to Heaven contained long passages of satanic stream of consciousness drivel. And isn't it so coincidental that uh, not only is it all backmasked and hidden, but it was also uh, nonsensical sentences. Mm. Just just coincidentally, it wasn't full form sentences. Yeah, weird. Um, yeah. So along I, the I, lines of, I can uh, al- I can always see it because I like they use a lot of reverb and effects to kind of make it sound all spacey and ethereal, but like, yeah, it well, also whatever you think of Stairway to Heaven, but it leaves a lot, of, a lot of effects. Yeah, but like it leaves room for them to be like, oh yeah, it sounds like they're doing some weird stuff in there. Surely they must be, because guitars don't sound yeah. like that. I think the guys from Led Zeppelin were just trying to get fucking laid, just like everybody else has ever formed a band <laughs> ever. Much. Yeah. Um, but uh, people seem to think that if you play it backwards, you can hear lines such as, here's to my sweet Satan. Um, he will give you 666. You know, that standard uh, satanic uh, line, he will give you 666. Mm-hmm. Don't know what of. Maybe I'm going to start referring to it as 666. Yeah. It just seemed like a real square. 666 um, Satan Drive. That's where I live. Uh, little Satan Drive. Yes. Um, no, Lieutenant Satan Drive. That's the one where it actually doesn't hold true. Little Nicky drive. There, there you go. Very good. Thank you. Um, and also the line, happy is the man who makes me sad whose power is Satan. Good. Yep, totally yeah. understood that so one. So obviously, it's a hard reach, a big yeah. hard reach. There's a big this... throbbing, veiny hard reach. Oh, no. Uh, there's, hmm, um, there's overlap here too with... Um, you remember the whole like blue dress, gold dress, whatever the fuck that thing was? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, There's also auditory versions of- Yanni and Laurel. Yanni and Laurel, yeah. So there's things like that where if you craft a piece of audio the right way, and then if you put a visual stimulus, you will interpret it- Yes, I've seen this. As that versus the other thing, which is why Yanni and Laurel works, is because it's it's close enough to either that if you read the word Yanni, you'll hear it. But if yes. but if you read Laurel, you'll you'll hear, or even if you're thinking one or the other, you will hear one. You will hear that one. And there's yeah. So I I can hear both depending on the whichever one I want to think about at the time. Exactly. Um, and so this strikes me as a bit of that kind of thing where it's like if you go into it expecting to hear these sort of words and phrases, you're going to apophenia. Yeah, it all comes That's, back. Uh, sorry. That is a reference, uh, obviously, to the point of the podcast, but also that is literally how it's always delivered on the on the black tapes. The guy who plays Doctor Saran oh. has an amazing voice, and yeah. so it's just like, whenever they make a right point of that, it's just like, apophenia. Yeah, oh, it's so good. But um, yeah, it's like you you see one of these pop up every six to twelve months. Someone puts it up on like Snapchat or TikTok or whatever the fuck people are using nowadays. But it's like, oh, here's a here's this new crazy thing. It's like, no, this has been a thing for fucking decades. You've just found a new oh, example. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you just it's just the latest one. Yeah. Um another another great example of this is um uh are you familiar with the British band Judas Priest? Uh yes, who are not famous not, for breaking the law, breaking yes, the law. Yes, I know a few of their yeah. songs, but not a lot of them. Yeah, same. Um but I think it's fair to say that they were doing what every other band of the era was trying to do, mm-hmm. which was make music and get laid. Um <laughs> yeah. yep, and um they were sued by um, a coalition, 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 I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't really think that's the word. An like amalgamation? A coalition of... No. <laughs> a conglomerate. 
it wasn't either of those two, but now I'm thinking about the two families that sued them, like coming together to form one amorphous blob. Yeah. Full of genitals and eyes. They were, they were um, sued by a flesh pile. Um, so Judas Priest got sued by um, a couple of, or maybe more, families because um, two young men listening to Judas Priest um, decided to pull guns out and shoot themselves in the head when they were sat together listening to it. Um, right. Getting pretty royally fucked up i believe um and they were sued because the family said that in the song if played backwards you could hear judas priest say do it that's it do it fuck off Mm -hmm. no so i can forgive fully the family for wanting to find someone there's a lot of f's in that is that assonance affinance um um you can that's an English literature joke English yeah. language joke for you all there you are welcome um, <laughs> I can understand the families wanting to find some kind of semblance of someone to blame for what happened yep. in a pretty horrible tragedy yes but that's a stupid thing to do yeah um, yeah it, but this is the thing is these are people that are um, quite often like I say primed and looking for something to blame for other things that are out of their control. Yeah. Or things they don't understand. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, again, look it, at Columbine and all. Yeah. And, and it's all uh, related to crimes and, you know, abuse. Yeah, sometimes not real, admittedly. It's difficult to reckon with the fact that sometimes people are just bad for one reason or another yeah. without having this external force that you might be able to point to and say, oh, this is the thing that made them do it. It's like, no, they just maybe they just really wanted to do this thing. Mate, it's 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 a hundred percent. I think this year has proved, if nothing else, is that people are the fucking worst, and it's really hard to reconcile that fact. No, as you see, people like society, collective, good individuals can be fucking bad. That's kind of. I think it's the other way around. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I think. I think it a can person go either is way. decent. It, generally, it depends on the situation, the context, I guess. But a lot of this yeah. is kind of like those two positions, kind of butting heads. Yeah, I can I can dig it. I mean, that's a philosophy that I don't think we necessarily have the time to cover. No, especially not. Yep, one and a half beers. Um, <laughs> so here's a few other ways that you, Mike, can find Satan. Um, oh, please, things that you might be familiar with. That um, during the fires in 9/11, people swore to God in one of the photos that they could see Satan's face in the fires. Uh huh. Is is there a canonical uh, Satan's face? Uh, yes, it's the face of um, Rutger Hauer. <laughs> I don't. I can't picture that. Um, I don't think I know Rutger Hauer enough. No, I just picked. It's a name a I've name heard, and one with a funny name. <laughs> All right, let's flip you Engelbert over. Engelbert Humperdinck. Mike That's a. another funny name. Engelbert Humperdinck is from Leicester. Mm-hmm. I'm aware. Wait. I think we've spoken about Engelbert before. Oh, okay. You and I. I. Say, not you not, not on the show, just you and I. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, would you like to see Satan's face? <laughs> I sure I know would. this is an audio format. So. <laughs> this is no good for the listeners, but show me. <laughs> it's just your face. All right. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, um, oh, come on. <laughs> facing the smoke my ass hang on hang on hang on well to be fair it does have quite heavy quote marks on face yeah no i could see that 
fair play as i look at it through a tiny lens in a tiny box uh, yeah. on my phone in the bottom of a zoom call i can certainly see like what looks like two horns and eyes yeah, and nose and satanic. that looks like someone it tried like to pan. draw satan within non-dominant hand from memory while drunk <laughs> it looks a bit like pan who oh, of yeah. course obviously is like where satan came from in in terms of yes um and it also doesn't hurt that the greek word sata sounds an awful lot like satan and if you think that's the last yeah. time that shit's going to come up, just you wait, because you're going to love this. Go on. Um, another opportunity that people might um, find Satan is, um, so I was looking into things about um, how like people have a fear of things like the Illuminati, and they're like, oh, it's the elites, it's the rich, it's the celebrities. It's lizard people. And it's like, well, well, yeah, and it's because those people are a power that didn't exist before. Like the power of like the worldwide celebrity since they existed, advent of for want of a better word instant news which didn't come around with the internet age that came around in like the 1930s when suddenly tele telegraphs were a thing um instant news has made things like the color of the celebrity have much more of a thing than you know it could have been in the 1800s when we're requiring letters and stuff like mm -hmm. that physical delivery um so people have then since then equated that cultural power of celebrity to being part of the elite, it just, the it just took a lot longer back then, you know. Like by the by the time the word got out, they were already dead. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah. It must have been really galling to find out. Like, uh, oh no, the monarch's died, and it's like, ah, uh, yeah, it's like three years ago, bro. Oh. God, I'm hearing Sorry, a lot I'm of buzz about the Shakespeare guy. Shame he's dead. <laughs> uh, oh, Bill. <laughs> um, Billy Shakes. Oh, Billy Rattlejavelin. <laughs> Billy Rattlejavelin. <laughs> Wild housemate used to call him that. Um, so, uh, Mike. I <laughs> How have I never heard that before? Oh, my God. Oh, this is this is the same housemate whose dad had the most appropriate pun for this episode ever, which is when um, things went badly. He's like, oh, there's going to be devil's wig. I'm like, what? He's like, you know, hell to pay. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no come on that's brilliant you love it i love it we all love it <laughs> oh fuck sorry where were you going with this <laughs> anyway um well i was going to talk about the um cultural power of media and how they were all obviously because they became powerful or they won they must be satanists oh, of course yeah now i'm going to come back to that so i want you to Store that away in the memory banks, that like idea of they're powerful, they won, they're on top. Yep. They must be evil. Okay, grand. Would you like to see the hidden Satanism in the Walt Disney Corporation? Oh, please show it to me. Are show you ready? me the demonic face of Disney. No. Six, oh. six, six. All right. Yeah. So for those listeners at home, Elliot's just shown me an image of, you know, walt disney done in the like the disney cursive font whatever you might call that and somebody's very generously crudely on like, ms paint yeah someone's f managed to find three things that look like a six in there if you trace the lines vaguely like the one over the eye is the worst that is like a dodgy looking circle and they're like oh no it's a six actually and there's a little line connecting I, the fuck yeah off. if anything and i'm not gonna try i'm gonna try to fuel anything it looks like a backwards q no next <laughs> okay 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 <laughs> and 
to 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 really put the like the point like to nail the point home on this. So you know how I mentioned Satan and satyrs earlier? Yes. In in writing about this and looking up apophenia and Satanism, I found out that the adversarial god in Egyptian mythology, that is to say, the one that is seen as the 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 bad god, yes, the one that is the enemy of the sun god Ra, mm-hmm. is named Apophis. Oh no. So, Apophis and Apophenia yep. share a massive root. Yep. And if you think for a second that I didn't go, oh my god, maybe there's something to this, and start looking for a pattern, you're bang wrong. Like, I'm literally writing about how people are stupid and look for those things, and like, if you're primed and look to look for it, you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. And I started looking for it. Did, did, you, like, did, I, I, did you find one? because there's no fucking link it's just two greek words yeah i mean that that was going to be it it's like a, it's a language route that's about it yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> i mean I, I i that's it but i absolutely was like oh my god maybe there's something in this i was like no you fucking moron no. like you this is a, this is the point don't don't look for there's things that common, don't exist yeah there's a common language route probably there's always a rational explanation for this shit mm-hmm. to quote the scholar um Fuck, I forgot his name. <clears throat> David Mitchell. No. I wish. Uh, no, it's much worse than that. Oh, no. <laughs> you need to be like, flavor Flav. You are not far off. Oh, no. What are you doing? To quote the scholar DJ Khalid, congratulations. You played, you played yourself. Yeah. Fuck. And I did. I absolutely did. Yeah. I completely yeah, played myself. And I was just like, oh, I am a moron. It's, it's like you threw up the alley-oop for yourself but while the ball was in flight forgot that you'd done that and then went to slam dunk it and were like wait a minute i i think it's worse than that i think i threw up the alley-oop for myself and then dikembe mutumbo myself and <laughs> batted it down and then went like this in a mirror and not today and a basketball joke for literally just me and you so this is the thing is how easy it is to become trapped in the idea that there's a pattern to things even when i was doing it i was like oh my god and can i just say and I kind of mentioned it a second ago, and I know we don't probably want to talk about it too much because we don't want to be talking about this. But um, you know how I mentioned it looked like a backwards Q in the Walt Disney logo? Yes. If you don't think that QAnon is the latest satanic panic, like it, it, the parallels are insane. Yeah. And, and like my point before about like common language roots being the explanation for mm-hmm. the apoth, uh, whatever the thing is. Um, yeah, like apostate also. Yeah, there's like there's a there's a framework and a pattern being used in a different way. You know, it, it's preying on fear. It's preying on people's like doubt of authority and blah blah blah. We could write a thesis on the shit. I'm sure someone will. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a similar framework at play for sure. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I'm yeah. just looking up by the way, Apo. Um, that's in apostate, as in apostle, as in uh, apophenia, and in apost- ap- apost- apotheosis. There's another one. Uh, apophis. Um, it means um, away or apart. Mm. Um, it's not that complicated, you know? Yeah. Um, Different. Other. Well, apostle means one who is sent off. Oh, right. So, to, like, as outcast. In to go and preach. Yeah. Well, no, it's like to go and, like, spread the word 
Oh. Yeah. I see. An apostate is one who is, you know, opposed from because they're away from it. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So apophenia, you know, it's going to be. But yeah, I like. It was so easy for me to fall into the trap immediately. And I'm well, researching it. And I was like, I literally was looking. I was like, oh my God, maybe there's a link. I looked and I was like, there's no link. Yeah. And of course, there's no also, link. Also, but this like, is, if it, I wasn't in prime to know that there's no link, would I have just been like, I've uncovered a conspiracy? Yeah. It's, it's also with the way that our brains are wired, uh, we default to looking for patterns, regardless of if mm-hmm. one exists. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Al- but also, our brain favors novelty and absurdity. So if something stands out, it's probably because it is different or it's weird and you're more inclined to remember that as a result. So when you combine those two things, this is what happens. Yeah. Patterns of weird shit you don't have any explanation for, so you make one up. Uh, And and I've got to say, by the way, I love a good conspiracy theory. Like... I know they're bollocks, yeah, but I find them really interesting. So I, I understand the point. I find them interesting, but things. I'm very careful not to talk about them too much for fear of spreading them without meaning to. Because if somebody hears me talking about it or it's taken out of context and they don't quite get that I'm being sarcastic and actually taking the piss out of them, that might help spread the message that I don't want to spread. Fair enough. Yeah. Well... I think that's a really good place to wrap because I've got two points to make hmm. um, on the out and I am interested to know about it. So, okay, let's do it. Let's let's go to the outro. So, I think an interesting thing to, to note is this and I think this is a really telling quote that I've taken here. So, um... And I, I, for the life of me, I forgot to write down what he did. But there's a chap called Jeffrey Victor who wrote that in the United... And this is not a quote, so I don't know why I did the cough, but... To paraphrase? In, uh, no, I just haven't put quote marks around okay. it. It's just, 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 just from the source <laughs> rather okay. than okay. like he said this. Yeah. Um, in the United States, the groups most likely to believe in rumors of SRA are... And please, feel free to fill out your bingo cards as I go through here. Rural, poorly educated, religiously conservative, white, blue-collar families with an unquestioning belief in American values who feel significant anxieties over job loss, economic decline, and family disintegration. Weird. It's almost Did anybody like, not get bingo? Yeah, I... Oh, boy, do I see that exact Venn diagram overlap playing out mm. right now. What a parallel to things like the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, People who are going to believe in conspiracy theories about deep states. Yeah. Uh, the kind of people who won't wear masks. Yeah. Um, populism. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's all the same shit. All around me are familiar <laughs> faces. I was thinking more clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. <laughs> <laughs> amazing I'm really sorry that's going to clip and sound awful on the audio but you absolutely did me (laughs) I'll do what I can I'm going to make that compressor earn its money yeah fuck yeah unbelievable well 
Mike, that was banging work to close out. Yeah. So um, let me ask you something which... Yeah, oh, no, go on. no, no, you go on. This is your episode. Oh. Before I throw my own Q. bullshit. Oh, you. Uh, it's kind of the... I do with the podcast, but yeah. Um, Mike, I got a question for you, which is... You mentioned, obviously, talking about like certain conspiracy theories and stuff like that. And I always think this is a really interesting question. What's the most outlandish or slightly mad or conspiracy-ish thing that you believe? Oh. Um, wow. I'm happy to tell you what mine is. Yeah, do that because it might help me figure out what mine is because I <laughs> I'm really struggling. You go first. Roswell, New Mexico. Okay, yeah. I, I believe Roswell, New Mexico as a town exists. All right, yeah, I, I think... No, <laughs> I mean, I believe that something landed there and I and I, I, I believe that it was a cover-up. Okay, yeah, I, I think mine is probably related in terms of like, you know, extraterrestrial something. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd be so specific as to say Roswell or Area 51 or something like that and say like, yeah, there's definitely something there. But it's more that there's been things like the MK Ultra reveal and things over time that have been proven oh, yeah. to be true, um, and that seems like the next most reasonable one. But I don't. Wanna, yeah, I think. But I, I, but I, I, but I think the thing is, like, right. it's a it's a vague image of like something in that realm. Um, but even um, even then, everywhere I'm, the even CIA then, puts its hand. Yeah, even then, I'm super skeptical, even to say that much. Um, because there's been, well, I think, I think that's. Well, I was gonna say there's, something there's, there's, there's been share. cases of like, like corroborated reporting of people seeing lights that they can't explain, which people attribute to UFOs, which turn out to be refractions of light through gas, and it's a whole thing. And there's, like I said but, before, yeah, reasonable explanations, which is why I don't want to. Well, put, we've colored like Will of the Wisp and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah that that yeah. like that's which, which ancient, is, which is why thing. I'm yeah. very hesitant to put any stock in any of that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. I understand. No, that's totally fair. I think I think one of the things that's really interesting is that like any time the CIA gets its hand near anything, and then it comes out years later, and it's like, oh, that's entirely fucked up, and it turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, MK Ultra is just mind blowing. For example, yeah. Um, but at the same time, like we have to be careful not to use that as a reason to believe something else just because MK Ultra yes. turned out to be true, right? Which is what you're talking about, about falling into that trap of yeah, leaps of logic that shouldn't one thing. be made. 100%. Um, the interesting thing is when they declassify documents, Yeah, I always find that really fascinating. And they're like, that's really cool. I never read any of them because let's be honest, they'll all be incredibly dull. No, and I'll, I'll, be like I'll wait for someone long. whose job it is to read that kind of shit to tell me what I need to know. Absolutely. Which is almost certainly one of the worst bits of research I've, I could ever possibly do. But still, I don't give a fuck yeah, because but it's like, my job and I don't care. But it, say, for example, it's like something to do with space travel, right? Like I'm going to wait for a tech reporter or like someone who was invested in that yeah. industry to come out and say, I spent the hours reading the 300 pages of this report. Here's what you oh, need yeah, to man. know, right? It's like every time you find out there's a parliamentary inquiry and it's like they delivered a 700-page document, it's like it takes me three months yeah. to read a 300-page book. Yeah, I'm not going to watch 
eight hours of, uh, what is it right now, the ICAC hearings around Gladys Berejiklian because they're happening during the workday and they're six hours a day. I'm just going to stop you right there. Uh, one, congratulations on pronouncing her name as a foreigner. And two, congratulations on pronouncing her name. <laughs> I, I might have slurred it a bit because I'm two beers in, but... It's um, fine. I just call her Gladys. Oh, yeah. But, but even then, right, like I find that issue interesting but I'm not going to spend the time watching no. the hearings, right? No, absolutely not. Like, I've been, we've all been watching a lot of press conferences recently, mm. which we would never normally do. No. No, that's true. Um, but no, I think I think that's really interesting. Uh, one of the things I find really fascinating is when the... Maybe I just said this, or maybe I just thought it. Mm. You have to, you'll have to just tell me if I did this thing. What? But um, when they declassify documents... And then it'd be like, oh, we're going to declassify documents from 70 years ago. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. The statute of limitations ran out on them. They're like, these seven we're not going to declassify. Like, what the fuck are they? Yeah. What is that shit? And I'm pretty sure the UK or the US government just did that with something. They were like, oh, we're going to make all these public interest. And then it was like, uh, but not these ones. Yeah. Like, there's what the fuck? fuck is like, that usually the reason and it's one of two things it's either something fucked up or something fucked up that they did or or like and uh, it needs a bit more nuance than that because often it's issues of like national security which as a phrase is often used to hide other things um, from 70 years ago man potentially like if if it if it if it was an agreement with a foreign power that is still kind of in effect who knows right it's there's so many things mm. that you and i have no way of knowing yeah it's a good point and also uh as far as technology goes governments are still about 40 years behind so 70 yeah. years ago is actually fairly recent whatever's going on for them yeah yeah um i'm, I'm not i'm not trying to apply that we should blindly trust governing bodies etc but it's more a case of think about uh, you you and i think you about and i are one of the case. same on this yeah yeah you and i one of the same on this is like we are both quite skeptical of a lot of things um including governments and the way that they work and including governments officials and their ability to hide shit like yeah also (laughs) government officials are people and they are dumb as fuck they can barely they can barely stop fucking corrupt other corrupt politicians yep gladys yes but um but at the same time in the same way when people like it's a big conspiracy i'm like 99.9% 99.9% of the world's governments just want to get away with uh, maybe making a quick buck for themselves and have the economy look good so they can come back in four years' time. Yeah, but also think about like the incredible confluence of effects that need to happen for something like the conspiracy you're talking about to even exist. Dude, I'm managing a project with six people on it. Yeah. Yeah, think about every group yeah, project like ring you did and at tell uni them to do or- one thing. All the group projects you did at uni or high school, think about how fucking difficult that was and then try to do yeah, that with I have Asana. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine it pre-Asana. This is uh, this podcast sponsored I was gonna say, by that's Asana. That's like the weirdest ad read you could ever do for any productivity <laughs> tool. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I could have orchestrated MKUltra even better with Asana. Um <laughs> Let I think, me tell you I think, about Trello.com. No, we're not doing this. this is not, fuck out. Trello of, is dead. None of this is a thing. Trello's dead. Long live Asana. Um, I think, Mike, 
that might be us. That, uh, I, think, I think we should before we, we end up in a off. weird, different kind of podcast category. <laughs> oh, also, we both started yelling. I don't know what you're so, talking about. I'm going to compress these audio tracks. It's going to come out nice and clean. <laughs> Are you the fucking Asana? You're his trouble. <laughs> Sorry. No, I don't know. Um. Anyway, so if you thought any of that was worthy of air, please feel free to follow us on socials where we have pictures that are barely worthy of that either. Um, often I take them when drunk and upload them the next day or at 4 a.m. I mean, that, that's good, right? I, I, I forget who it was, but they said record drunk, edit sober. And that's kind of the same thing. I think it was you. Uh, next question. Uh, if uh, you want to follow us on the socials, you can find us at uh, about to say podcast at and I was like that's not even close nope. uh, it's at Hey Brew Podcast at Z- oh man I was about to say my company email keep going oh this is a mess it's Hey Brew Podcast on on Instagram Facebook and Twitter correct you've passed two 9% beers back to back have not for a competent ending made yeah but they're also um, what they're tall boy cans so each of them is about three standard drinks yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm basically a bottle of wine down. Yeah, you and I are now trying to rush this outro before the alcohol catches up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's Hey Brew Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Followers, send us shit, like shit, mm. do all those things. Mike, can they email us? They they sure can. Uh, they can hit us up at hello at heybrew.zone. Uh, they, they will, I don't know, maybe those emails will get to me and we'll read them on air. We haven't got any... Uh, in the last week, uh, other than Twitter trying to tell me accounts to follow, which I largely ignore because Twitter knows just fuck turn all. that off. Yeah, no, I, 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 I need to do that, but I also forget. Um, and that is the perils of living in this modern society. Next question, um, Mike. Uh, if they liked this and they've already subscribed and they haven't emailed us yet, um. Can they tell other people they like it in an open forum? Uh, yes, I would prefer they do. Grand. Is there any of those that they should... I'm going for the, Where... the angle of... Uh, yeah. You said next question, so I was trying to frame it as oh. a question. Oh, okay. Leave us a like yes. uh, and a rating and a review. Yes, they oh, mean This has been the worst lot. outro ever. Yeah, they mean a lot, uh, generally. To... Oh, they really do. Yeah. Gen- genuinely, they really do. Yeah. Okay, so after a very quick interlude, I thought we had new reviews. Turns out I was lying, but also turns out Mike thought I was talking about emails, so we spent about five minutes yelling at each other um, over Zoom, so that was quite something. It's all right. We're still friends. We're good. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) We're just not good at podcasting. Um, This has been one of the sloppiest outros we've ever done, and that is saying something. That's all right. They, Mike, they would have I'm had to get really through. To say that they would have had to get through. I don't know, like an hour and a half at this point to get to here. We'll see what the edit turns out like. But right now, Audacity is telling me one hour fifty six minutes. All right, let's wrap it the fuck up then. Probably. <laughs> um, this has been boozy, and it's also been hey brew. Uh, please, when you read things, make very critical decisions rather than just decide. And don't just look for patterns all the time. Yes. Take a moment to think about why you're looking for things. It's pretty unlikely Jesus is in your toast. Yes. Uh, this has been Hebrew. I hope this has been educational. And I hope that the ending isn't as bad as I thought it would be. Hmm. I've been Elliot. I've been Mike. Cheers. Cheers.
I was about to hit stop then, or else we wouldn't have any outro bollocks. I need my outro bollocks. <laughs> the there pe- it is. The, pe- um, the people need the outro bollocks. <laughs>